You're listening to Train of Thought, a podcast of the Biblical Christ Research Institute. Today's topic, examining the Black Lives Matter manifesto. Let's get into the discussion. Episode 10 of Train of Thought, which is a podcast of the Biblical Christ Research Institute. I am here with my brothers in Christ, Deron Gladden and Eric Powers, and uh, grateful to be able to do this on a weekly basis with these men, as we all do have pretty busy schedules, but I'm just grateful that we're able to get into this and share our thoughts with you all about different uh, issues and matters that we feel uh, led to handle. And so today we're going to get into, I have here pulled up on my other computer, um, the Black Lives Matter manifesto. So we're just going to go through the manifesto and we're going to examine it uh, biblically and doctrinally and uh, see, you know, if there's any points of agreement and points of disagreement and we'll uh, hold it up under the scrutiny of the light of God's word. And so uh, we discussed the history of the Black Lives Matter movement on a, on a couple of previous podcasts, so we're not going to waste any more time um, talking about that. We're just going to get right into the manifesto. Uh, so. I'm going to start from the paragraph. Uh, I know Eric's looking at it. I think Duran probably has it up too. It says the Black Lives Matter global network is as powerful as it is because of our membership, our partners, our supporters, our staff, and you. Our continued commitment to liberation, which that's what we've been discussing uh, since since the jump. Our continued commitment to liberation for all Black people means we are continuing the work of our ancestors and fighting for our collective freedom because it is our duty. Now, uh, gentlemen, anytime you guys uh, wanna interject something, just feel free to jump in and interrupt me. Stop me from reading. Okay. So it says, every day we recommit to healing ourselves and each other and to co-creating alongside comrades, allies, and family a culture where each person feels seen, heard, and supported. And so this is where we get into the heart of the manifesto with their, their various declarations. It says, we acknowledge, respect, and celebrate differences and commonalities. <laughs> um, I, right off the bat, I already have an issue here because it says we acknowledge, respect, and celebrate differences and commonalities. But all you have to do, if you've been on Facebook for any period of time, or if you've cut on the news for any period of time, you can clearly see that what they say here is not what they follow because they don't acknowledge and respect and celebrate differences and commonalities. Okay? Uh, what, what they really mean to say or what they should say is that we acknowledge and respect and celebrate those who uh, acknowledge or agree with the collective, or they agree with 
the group think is, is what really needs to be said here because anybody that uh, opposes this movement, anybody that opposes or disagrees with or critiques this movement is not acknowledged, they're not respected, and they're not celebrated. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think one of the I think one of the big things is specifically, you know, when you look at all right, what is what is the foundational premise of Black Lives Matters? But but you also look at uh, even on this on their same site, it says help us fight disinformation, um, and it's not so much that they're trying to protect themselves from slander, um, which they may be trying to do. I believe they're trying to protect themselves from scrutiny. And anytime you have a link on your site uh, uh, and you call on people, whether it be of your membership or the general population, to, as it says here, uh, uh, you know, they're a central target of disinformation and report suspicious sites, uh, stories, ads, social accounts, and posts about BLM. Uh, they want to be above criticism. They want to be above scrutiny. And so, you know, if you're a movement and you're claiming to achieve objectives, then you have to put yourself in position to want to be held to uh, both accountability and scrutiny uh, to measure if those objectives are actually effective. And I, I think as we start to even look at this statement, you know, their goal is, I would say, not to simply allow for individuals who disagree with them to have a hearing. Uh, their goal is to make sure that they categorize that as different disinformation so that their narrative can be the one that's found uh, mm -hmm. to be true. So once you start there, then you have a movement that's already moving away from the very things it says, such as claiming to be diverse, claiming to, uh, to engage in this, uh, in this uh, collective stimulating thought, uh, really is regressive as it relates to uh, can it be scrutinized and can people disagree with it? And can they respectfully disagree and are there other solutions? And uh, from what I've seen so far, even before we get into the statement, none of those things are welcome. Eric, you got anything? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the term here. You know, we acknowledge respect and celebrate differences. They don't celebrate differences if you're taking exception to what they're claiming. So it's got the element of postmodernism here. Your truth is my truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we talked about that last time, the, the right. element of postmodernism here with uh, what John was talking about, the narrative um, and, uh, you know, re rewriting or uh, historical, historical redactionism and, and all the rest. So. I clearly see that, you know, they, they don't celebrate you if you argue against them. Right. And it gets to a point where we've even seen hostility from the Black Lives Matter movement concerning you agreeing with them or not. You know, if you don't agree with them, it's even gotten to the point where they are becoming hostile toward those who question what they do. So right off the bat there's always and, there, and there's so many issues with this manifesto we're just gonna go through it bit by bit and just comment on these things um the next thing it says is we work vigorously for freedom and justice for black people and by extension all people so my question to you guys concerning this particular uh, statement is um 
would you agree that the justice system is broken? Yeah, I mean, obviously, but it, but is it the the question I would pose is is the justice system broken only toward one specific group of people? Mm. I think when you talk about justice or injustice, I think that there's people on a micro level who meet with certain injustices in their lives, uh, no matter what their ethnicity is. Um, but I also think that there's, you know, there's a sense in which that because you have people who are either, uh, you know, openly unbelieving, uh, you have people who um, they may hold to some form of religious philosophy and, and ideological thought where they, they put themselves forward as being those who are just, but really they exercise partiality. I mean, I think that's always going to be an issue until the Lord returns. So, you know, when you talk about justice or injustice, I think as long as you have individuals who do not have biblical wisdom and the discretion to exercise that wisdom and the fortitude to actually do what's right, you're typically going to have a broken system. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and that's not an excuse for things to maintain uh, or to or to remain that way. But I I, I don't think you know, the question we have to ask is, is it systemic? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that, that's the claim that they're borrowing from critical race theory, that the US, United States laws and policies are biased um, against people of color is what, is what they're claiming in, in, in the way that these laws were actually written to begin with. So. Yeah. yeah, I think the issue that, the, you know, one of the issues, especially with you know, this, this, okay, we work vigorously for freedom and justice for black people and by extension, all people. There's a couple presuppositions that I believe are false that for one, all black people are enslaved. That's an issue um, because not all of them need the kind of freedom you're offering. Two is all people, all black people agree with this particular movement. That's not true either. And then the third one is that pretty much all people, um, are constituted within the framework of the black people, quote unquote, black people, uh -huh. you know? So I think those are three immediate false premises that yeah. if you, if you lend yourself to the ideologies of this particular movement and you affirm those ideologies, you're going to find yourself uh, as brother Eric said, wrapped up in critical race theory and everything that comes with that. Even the mindset that says, uh, you know, you're oppressed because uh, certain things aren't meeting with your particular, uh, you know, your particular interests. No. Yeah. And then the claim in, in the courts, you know, they, they claim, you know, critical race theory claims that race is the determining factor in all decisions made by courts and legislation. So that's why it's just uh, me against, uh, you know, the United States of America, you know, court system motif or narrative coming from Black Lives Matter and critical race theory. Um, so, as far as fixing the justice system, um, what exactly, as Christians, what can we do uh, to kind of aid in the reforms that, because I, I do agree that there are reforms that do need to take place, um, but biblically speaking, or mm -hmm. from the Christian worldview, from the Christian perspective, how, what would it look like for these reforms to be enacted? What would it look like for these reforms to take place? I think first you need to make the distinction as you're communicating this to people, 
that uh, there's the world system that's integrated in every form of government across the planet, mm -hmm. the, the evil world system that's controlled by the devil. So that's, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of confusing the issue here because what we're, we're doing is preaching the gospel, proclaiming the truth, and that people would be, repent on the salvation and believe and trust in Christ to be saved from the wrath of God. God rescues people out of the world system. And so I don't think the issue is race in the sense that it's the determining factor, all decisions made by courts. But I think there's, there's the, the world system that's integrated throughout all, all these, uh, you know, systems by men that they, you know, pick and choose different parts and stuff to say that this is justice and this is justice. And so they're really on the same team. Absolutely. That's a good point. You know, uh, another another part that I would say is, you know, in order to have a platform to initiate any kind of reform, quote unquote, which should never necessarily be a priority, according to the Christian worldview, but it is an effect of the Christian worldview. Um, when you try to solicit a certain type of reform, I believe you have to uh, you have to put yourself in position to obey those laws which do not compromise your faith and identity in Christ. And if you're obeying those laws, I believe you then have a greater and wider platform to be able to initiate uh, a change in unjust laws. Uh, but I don't, I don't think you, you advocate for those who aren't obeying the law in the way that the laws need to be obeyed. I, I don't think that that's a good practice. By that, I mean a lot of the constituency that the Black Lives Matter, am I saying that right? Black Lives Matter. Is it uh, matters that, or ma matter? That's what I'm trying to. <laughs> but that that particular well, movement in in their man black lives matter plural black lives matter matters plural movement they black um, lives matter <laughs> you know the thing the thing but the thing about them the thing that you have to realize about that particular um that particular mindset and that particular movement is you can't advocate for those who may or may not have been at one time or the other in the circumstance that you're advocating for, uh, have been disobedient in the manners of the law. Um, you know, and some will become very angry at that statement, but the truth of the matter is, you know, there's this rush to judgment and then facts come out and you find out that the people you were advocating for actually were in violation of the laws. Were they treated with the utmost dignity in those circumstances? Some of them were not, but also there's a sense in which the law is there for a reason. And so, there's this advocacy for those who are in the gray areas. You know, I, I don't see the advocacy for those who are literally quietly, you know, upholding the law, not wetting themselves to the subculture that would uh, celebrate disobeying the law. There's always this advocacy for those, as long as the life is black, um, for those who are perhaps uh, in the gray areas. And again, that goes to the mindset that I believe this is a movement that uh, that really believes that the black man and woman is hopeless in and of themselves and can't really uh, aspire to the higher morals, quote unquote, that Darwinism, the false construct of Darwinism, mm -hmm. uh, both social and scientific, uh, would uphold about uh, natural selection. Because yeah. you see that, you see that in the way that they respond. You know, they always advocate for those who are in some kind of legal trouble. And mm -hmm. to me, Instead of advocating for those who are in legal trouble and making your millions off of that, why don't you educate people according to the laws uh, so that your advocacy could be preventative as opposed to 
reactionary. And you don't see that even in the beginning of this manifesto. Right. Yeah. It's uh it's Black Lives Matter singular. Black Lives Matter. Okay. Yeah. Not now, one, I definitely matters. want to do them well, as as we're critiquing them. I want to do them the service of, oh, yeah. of course, saying their name correctly. But no matter what their name is, they need to, you know, they <laughs> need to come to terms with the fact that what they're doing is just it's very regressive when you talk about where people's mindsets are. The people you'll notice, people who advocate for them the strongest, are the people who are pretty much well off, mm-hmm. and by that I mean. Uh, it's the sense in which the people who are literally their constituency who provides the money that they can to drive what they're doing are the institutions and individuals who have amassed wealth. And so, you know, I just, I, I, it makes me wonder what, you know, what this is really all about. And I think as we progress through the statement, some of those questions will be answered. I mean, you, you talked about uh, the money that they get. Yeah. I mean, I just, I saw something off to the side about shop. They sell hashtag totes, face masks, coffee mugs, hats, stickers, t-shirts, hoodies, anywhere from $25 to $45. Yeah. So, so this, <laughs> what, what bothers me is that if if you're if you're really fighting for black lives to matter, then why are you charging for merchandise? I I I just don't. If if you're really in a fight to uh, bring equality where you think there isn't equality, and uh, justice where you where you think there's injustice, then why are you charging people? for t-shirts, mugs, hoodies, and hats. Yeah, you can't make the mistake of thinking, you know, society at large, of thinking that uh, raising awareness and offering solutions is the same thing. Mm -hmm. Because when you're talking about what they do and what they do well, they do a very good job of raising awareness. I mean, you watch a basketball game and, you know, Black Lives Matter is on the, it's on the court. Um, Right. It's on commercials. On their jerseys too. They're doing a very good job raising raising awareness to their particular cause, but are you offering solutions or are you just calling attention to something? And if you are, you don't need revenue to do that. Nope. You don't need you don't need leaders who are making money. Um, so that's what it always comes down to. It always comes down to people who are making merchandise of other people. And again, you get there by controlling people's emotions, and you know, and and using the media and images and other things like that to control their emotions. And I say that because yes, are things happening in society? Absolutely. But are you offering solutions and are the people who are hearing about these solutions willing to try them in order for these things to, uh, to be remedied? And for us, the solution I'm talking about is proclaiming the truth in God's word mm-hmm. and dealing with these things from the standpoint of what the Bible teaches. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, I, I believe it's, as you're saying, like there's, there's this awareness campaign, but, there doesn't seem to be a solution-minded campaign. It's just, you know, find an incident, promote the unjust, the uh, quote-unquote unjust or allegedly unjust uh, acts that were done in that situation and set that before the people and cause an emotional and political response. And and then what? And then what, what happens after that, you know? Yeah. So. so 
that was the uh, second second one. We work vigorously for freedom and justice for black people and by extension, all people. The next one says we intentionally build and nurture a beloved community or beloved community that is bonded together through a beautiful struggle that is restorative and not depleting. I see that that famous smile there, Duran. Yeah. <laughs> What 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 caught you? Uh, uh, what what caught you on that one? Well, kind of kind of the similar reason why, you know, in in the speech, it made me think about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's "I Have a Dream" speech, where he taught the very Hinduistic principle, the New Age principle, that suffering in and, in and of itself is redemptive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of language that you see here. That the struggle is not going to go away because they see restoration in the struggle. And so, you know, if that means you have to perceive that there's a struggle or they have to continue to financially remind you that there's a struggle or socially remind you that there's a struggle. And if there's a struggle, there's an enemy. Um, you know, the, the issue the issue then is, is that everything is built around the struggle and it's built around the fact that you are struggling. You can never overcome. It's a hopeless cycle. Uh, so, you know, and, and such is the nature of. Uh, such is the nature of of any kind of movement that doesn't have at its epicenter uh, Christ Himself. But but you know the reason I, I kind of reacted the way I did is because I was reminded of them borrowing that from you know Dr. King's "I Have a Dream" speech that you know suffering is in of itself redemptive, and he borrowed that from uh, I believe it was Gandhi and and some of the Hinduistic principles in terms of the nonviolence uh, the nonviolence movement that uh, that Gandhi started. But but that's a that's a big issue because you can suffer for the wrong causes hmm. and you can mm-hmm. be deceived about your suffering and your suffering could be because of some wicked things that you've done. So right. it's suffering as a generic principle is not always redemptive. Yep. Yeah, and that's what what I that was caught me too. You talk about uh, the beautiful struggle. Struggle according to who? Right. According to what standard is it? Is it defined by the biblical standard of what 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 suffering is, what struggle really is? And I would guarantee you that it is not uh, defined according to that. And then again, it's like we're struggling with what, you know, um, what makes what makes uh, the struggle that is being defined by the Black Lives Matter movement any different than any other. Like, uh, like, for instance, a third world country where they're struggling. What, what makes that different than any other type of suffering or struggle? Uh, I think the, the, the real issue is, for me, the real issue is, and I've said this uh, uh, several times when, I, when I've been teaching through scriptures, is that people just don't know how to suffer well. Um, People just don't know how to suffer well, because in today's society, especially here in America, the the image is that we're, we're not supposed to go through anything. Everything's right. just supposed to be OK. Everything's right. everything is everything's supposed to be handed to you. Everything's supposed to be easy. I mean, you can go to like I remember when, you know, when I was growing up and you played in a sport, if you lost, you lost. Yeah. But but now. Yeah, you come to like a little baseball game or uh, for me, but Taekwondo and it's like, everybody wins. And I'm like, no, everybody doesn't win. No, how, how, so how, how do people learn to suffer, suffer well, if you're trying to 
uh, finagle the what suffering actually looks like. Or you're well, trying to. Yeah, and listen to this. It's First Peter chapter three, mm-hmm. verse thirteen. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation. Do not be tr- troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. So their their claim, you know, that the, the suffering, are they suffering because they're standing up for the truth and for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the gospel? Or are they suffering because they're not just getting what, what they want and they're complaining about the way the society is structured? And I, I would I would go further than that too, and I and it's, it would certain what I'm about to say would certainly include that, but you also have especially you know a lot a lot of a lot of the 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 suffering that people want to join groupthink to that that they want to have this collective mindset. It's it's not initiated by the people who are actually going through things. It's initiated by the people who can benefit from what situation they're trying to. Uh, to remedy. So for example, you have in this movement, people, leaders at the top who are doing very well financially from what they receive from this movement. And you have this in modern evangelicalism too. And everybody can make a good show and talk to you about how you ought to suffer because they are making money because they're doing well at your expense. So they can tell you, uh, you know, and maintain before you the certain struggle. And, you know, honestly, that is a certain form of hypocrisy that you see both in the world system and in the false religious movements. Um, you see people, they'll tell you all day about suffering, but it's because they gain benefit, you know? So if you're, if you're, if you're a, if you're a donor, uh, your donorship is, you know, in the multi-millions on what grounds can you tell people how to suffer, mm. you know, on, on what, even if, and, and, and if you're saying that that is the way in which you are to identify with this particular group, that that is how you collectively make it through in this life. And you yourself at the top of this organization is not experiencing those particular ills. Um, You know, it doesn't only fly in the face of this black nationalism that they're trying to hold to. We talked about some of that, but it also flies in the face of, you know, actually, can you be taken serious uh, in the sense of offering, uh, you know, a certain, a certain way of getting along in your quote unquote suffering. If what you make is off the people who are suffering, mm-hmm. you know, it, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, you know, it's people who are living very, very well telling you that you're suffering. I, to me, that would make me very suspicious off the bat. But again, if you put some emotional baggage on people and make people feel like that they're living in a time that is likened to the times of the last 60, 70 years ago, Mm. Um, you know, if you consistently put cinema and film out to make people feel like that they're living in those times and, you know, you set before people, uh, circumstances and situations and filming and using social media as a means of promoting all these things, then you can get people not only to believe they're suffering, you can get them to bankroll you and to make you their voice and you become very rich for being their voice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have all those things in play where they're admitting we're fighting for you. Uh, the question I have is, are they fighting among you? Uh, because I don't believe even according to their own tenets that that's the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something you said, and it just, I was, I was going to a- actually say the same thing. It's like, how, how exactly are you struggling when you have donors giving you millions and millions of dollars and you're selling merch on your website that people are buying? I mean, that doesn't sound like struggle to me. <laughs> it doesn't. It sounds more like you're getting over on people, to, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, but uh, let's move on from that one. Um, we are, the next one, we are unapologetically black <laughs> in our positioning. All right, hold on, hold on one, one second there. Again, <laughs> again I, I mean, this is, this is I, I believe this is a biblical understanding of ethnicities. Again, this black, blackness, white, whiteness, white privilege, all those terms in and of themselves are, are sardonic. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, black is not an ethnicity. Black is not a race. White is not an ethnicity. White is not a race. So for them, black, blackness is an ideology. I will not accept these terms. I do not look at you guys and, and say, these are, my, these are my black friends or my black brothers. You know, you have a distinct ethnicity that, there are, that comes from the continent of Africa, whereas I have a distinct ethnicity and multiple ethnicities from, from Europe. So this whole black and white distinction is, uh, I believe, disingenuine. And, and we have to use these terms as the way we've been using them for the last, you know, 100 years, 200 years or so. But it's something that, that if you look at the, uh, the long period of time of, of man, that these terms are terms that have been used like this sardonically in the last 300 some years, mm-hmm. but it's become part of the United States census Bureau as identifying as specific ethnicities. And so that just, that just makes the United States as if the United States is like the greatest, uh, you know, nation of in the history of mankind. And it's, it's, you know, and, and they're, they're the ones to get to determine these ethnic distinctions and just make them up. So whenever I see black or blackness or, you know, white, you know, white privilege or white supremacy and all that stuff, that's just, uh, you know, those are not races or ethnicities. Those are the terms that have been used on both sides sardonically and it needs to stop. We need to stop, uh, you know, calling each other, you know, because it it doesn't, um, line up with what the biblical, the biblical position is on ethnicities. What do you guys think about that? Well, I wholeheartedly agree with it. I mean, uh, all it, all it really does is open the door, uh, societally, it opens the door to what they call racism. Yeah. Uh, Biblically, what it opens the door to what we would define ethnic prejudice. Um, and as I said, um, in a, in another podcast, I don't remember which one, but as I said in that podcast, um, when you use the term racism, uh, a lot of black people can, well, I'm not gonna say a lot, but some black people will use it as a way to hide behind and mask their prejudices and say, well, 
black because I'm sure you've heard the argument that black people can't be racist. Yeah. Right. Because in their mind, it's racism is when a, some somebody who is superior is looking down on or condescending to or bullying or mistreating or mishandling somebody who's considered inferior. Um, and so it's easy for them to f fight against that while at the same time avoiding the fact that a statement like we are unapologetic, unapologetic black, black, black in, our, in our position. And, and then on top of that, to continue in affirming that black lives matter, we need not qualify our position. Why don't you have to qualify it? So people yeah, are just supposed to, people are just supposed to swallow. Yeah, well, that's, that, well, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm saying. We are unapologetically black in our positioning. In affirming that Black Lives Matter, we need not qualify our position. Oh yes, black, you do. <laughs> but but, but uh, even to them, black is a position. Right. Blackness. It's an ideology. Is what I'm saying. It's, it goes back to James Cone's Black Liberation Theology's blackness. He wanted to identify with his blackness. Right. And there is there, there is no blackness. There is no whiteness. So that so that so that is I, I agree I agree as well, brother. And you know one of one of the issues too is you it's like you said before it needs to stop. You simply have to call their bluff when they make statements like this. We are unapologetically black in our position. No, you're not. There's no way that you're unapologetically quote unquote black in your positioning, because any true appreciation of one's culture stimulates appreciation true appreciation for other cultures right and how much more so biblically so i don't i don't i don't walk into a room thinking i'm a black man amongst other uh quote-unquote ethnicities uh, nor do i walk up in a room and try to apologize for what i look like you know so but i do appreciate certain things about myself and i appreciate certain things about other cultures and individuals in that particular room oh, sure. um, you're stimulated by, uh, by culture because culture is something uh, that the Lord himself has, in a sense, made uh, when he dealt with. And, and, he's gonna, and he preserves ethnicities. Absolutely. And so, so what we're dealing with here is supremacy. You're yes. dealing with the language of the supremacist, which is, which is a fascist mentality, but you're dealing with supremacy. And some might say, well, you know, uh, blacks can't have a sense of black supremacy. Oh, yes, you can. Um, you can have, and, and I'll tell you when it happens, even well, if it's, it's unbeknownst well, it to you. Sounds, it sounds bad. It sounds yeah. bad to say, to say that I have. To say that you're, you're a black supremacist. Yes. But I'll, tell you, I'll tell you when because, you broke. Because that's, they're criticizing, you know, white supremacy. And right. so. Well, I'll, so I'll tell you when you It sounds bad to, yeah. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. you, make, you make a great point. I, when, when you've arrived there is based on the first thing that they said at the outset of this particular statement that they are powerful. They're a global network. You've arrived in the position where you can now qualify as a supremacist when you are as powerful as you are. And they are powerful. I'm not admitting, I'm not saying that they're ineffective. Oh, yes, they they're are. powerful. I mean, they're, they're on, they're on TV. They're on, you know, professional sports networks. Uh, I mean, they, they rule the day so far. Um, you know, it's between them and the virus, but as it relates to their position, you become a supremacist when others have to, listen to you and you don't have to qualify your position exactly that's yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great point and that's what they're saying here yeah because in the, in the very last sentence it shows the the selfish nature of this movement as well to love and desire freedom and justice for ourselves is a prerequisite 
for wanting the same for others. So in other words, if you don't uh, love and desire freedom and justice for, for ourselves, then we don't have to care about freedom yeah. and justice for you guys. That's well, like, uh, that is yeah. a totally selfish statement. Well, th- that, there's that, but also, I mean, if you look at what my question to them would be to love and desire freedom and justice, I need to hear how they define love. I want to hear how they, de- they de- define freedom. Oh, it's defined later on. <laughs> yeah. In okay. The manifesto. We'll, we'll I just, I just, I just kind of woke up a little bit. Yeah. When I read that sense. But how do they? I mean, because you know the Bible teaches what real freedom is, what real justice, true, you know, what real love. There's clear definitions in the Bible, and so I'm, I want to measure and examine what they're saying to what the biblical text says, just like I'm doing with you know ethnicities and Absolutely. discussions about race, etc. So if they, they want freedom, I want to know what, how they define freedom and what they want, because what they want actually might not be true biblical freedom. Yeah, but my, my other question is, well, in what ways, again, it goes back to you're able to <laughs> I have to keep going back to the money. I mean, you're getting money. The American, f- dream, the American dream is not right. freedom, you, it's slavery. I mean, you're getting money from donors. You have merch on your website how are you not free it's very capitalistic <laughs> you're, you're yeah. exactly you're you're able to do these things but then you're co- saying that you're not free or that you're not loved you, you know, know and, I, and mean, I, I think i think if anyone i mean and i'm speaking to those of you out there who believe that you have even a shred of intellectual capacity and i believe you do because i believe everyone is created in god's image the issue I have is with these very regressive, um, almost infantile statements that they make about black individuals, where you're saying we don't need to qualify, qualify our position, that you have to take it for granted. And I believe that that strikes at the very counter notion that, that quote unquote, blacks experienced in the days of Jim Crow, where they were too infantile to draw con- conclusions in the minds of those who were, quote unquote, oppressing them. You know, I think that this same language is by this movement is used against them as a weapon that we're simply going to empathize and sympathize and do campaigns and do commercials and put, you know, our slogan on NBA courts and put names on the back of your jerseys. And everybody's going to feel very emotional about this. But we don't need to have any kind of an intellectual uh, standing to explain to you why this is the way it is and even welcome disagreements, because, quite frankly, the arguments are not only not strong enough, but they are banking on the fact that you can't make the arguments. They're banking on that. So everything has to be put forward for you. Everything has to be emotionally packaged for you. And people have to lobby on your behalf because you can't think uh, through yourself. They treat you like your children. That you can only view images on a TV screen and therefore make your conclusions. Like reading pictures, uh, you know, reading pictures from a book. That you can't look at arguments from all sides and go, is this movement effective? They don't want you to do that because they're treating you like infants. And like Chris is saying, they get very rich for doing that. They get very rich for treating you as though you can't think for yourself. It's just another cash cow. That's all it is. Just another cash cow. Absolutely. And so when you have this collective mindset, that's the great myth you'll see running through this as you continue to read it, Chris, that all black people agree with this. That's a myth because if you can get people to think that there is no argument to make. And the only people you argue against is those who are actually thinking about these things and trying to reason about them. You, you start calling them the sellouts. You start getting them out because 
th- this movement thrives off of dependency, both emotional and financial dependency. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you can eliminate that and cut off that source, there's no you have people who are actually free, that they're free, and especially and when you talk about the Bible. Right. And there's no movement. The movement right. is dismantled. If you can remove the emotional uh, knee jerk reactions and the finances, it's, it's done. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So the, the next one, it says, we see ourselves as part of the global black family. I know that word's triggering Eric, especially because it's capitalized black yeah. family. And mm-hmm. we are aware of the different ways we are impacted or privileged as black people who exist in different parts of the world. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm I gotta confused. read it. I, I gotta read I gotta read it again. I got let me read it again right quick. <laughs> All right. We ourselves as part of the global black family. I know where you're going, Duran, because I that's what I'm and we are aware of the different ways we are impacted or privileged as black people who exist in different parts of the world. Mm. Let me go a different way. <laughs> you know what I want to say, but I'm going to go a different way here. If I'm privileged as, a, as part of the global black family, why mm. do I need you? Mm. Why do I need you as a middleman? What do I need you for? What, you, what use are you if I'm privileged? Because again, we're connected by the beautiful struggle. I'm not struggling. So what do I need you for? What's your use? Is your use when I catch a bullet? Is that, is that your usefulness for me? If I'm in a compromising law situation and you got to advocate for me after my death, is that when I'm of use to this movement? And not only that, I'll go to what I was originally about to say. Um, you know, if there is privilege in the quote unquote black experience, wouldn't I invest all my time in pushing people in that direction as opposed to putting all my resources, time, political advocacy in the direction of those who are struggling? Right. And then again, what use is the movement if there are such a, such a thing as those who are privileged in their position? And they might say, oh, well, you're misunderstanding the way we use that word. No, I'm not because again, there is no one for one total Um, agreeable black experience. You have some uh, quote unquote blacks or African Americans in this country who are suffering in uh, very poor economic conditions. And you have some who are not, who are doing very well. In fact, their greatest advocates, you'll never meet them. Basketball players, baseball players, basketball coaches are telling you how you ought to feel. And they don't even live in your zip code and they don't even know you exist. Mm. And so there is a privileged community that I believe that the only use they have for this movement is that it creates a political agenda and a political result. And my thing, I would, I would say to those who are African-American, that as a people, we, you, and I'm talking to you as Paul would have talked to his kinsmen, have come so far so as to let people exploit you for this, mm-hmm. to, let, to let your ethnicity be used in this way. You have to start seeing this for what it is. You're being exploited. You're being used. You know, you're, you're filling the pockets of others. You, you're, you're not even, you're not even, they don't even think that you have the ability to advocate for yourself. They don't think you're effective. They don't think you can lead your family. They don't think you can lead in education. They don't think you can lead in the other fields. That they have to enlist the help of multimillionaire entertainers to help you to help vocalize what you're going through. If you don't see an issue with that, 
there's really nothing that can be said otherwise. But, but I just see all around this hypocrisy that they're willing to admit that it is both a privilege, but we don't want you to identify with the privilege. You got to identify with the struggle. I mean, and, and to piggyback off of that, I mean, what insults me more the most is that our ancestors have fought and scratched and scraped so hard in the midst of even far more scathing adversity and circumstance to achieve the, the greatness and the things that they achieved. And now we get to this point and now you want us to regress. Right. Why, why would I want to align myself with a movement that's just causing regression? Absolutely. Why, why would I want to do that? I, I, what I want to do is align myself with people who want to, as you said, empower because, because I'm, because we are in a, some, some kind of privileged position. My thing is to reach down to those who are uh, not as fortunate as I am and pull them up, empower them so that they can experience the same things, the same freedoms, the same privileges that I have, not to, you know, rob them. Cause, cause I mean, that's what's happening. They're being, yeah, th- they're yeah. being robbed. They're being robbed of their money. They're yeah. like you said, they're being used as a, you might as well uh, just say that the, the, the BLM platform is built on the backs of suffering black people. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what it is. And, and the issue is it, it, it both trivializes and it also romanticizes the quote unquote black experience. Um, you know, for example, again, you are not allowed to enter into the conversation what those in the black community do to one another and to themselves. Right. You're not allowed to speak on those issues. And I believe that that happens in every ethnic community that they destroy each other. And then you'll have a few Robin hood figures show up and pretend that they're actually building up the community. But it's the same thing at large in the so-called so-called black community where you have these individuals who uh, both trivialize and romanticize it. And again, you can be unapologetically black if you want to, but you have to identify with all uh, with all that comes with that, and you also have to be willing to identify all of your enemies who are uh, out to extinguish that, even if they look like you. Mm-hmm. And so if you're unwilling to do those things, then what I'm reading is just romanticism. Mm-hmm. It's utopian. It's Marxist utopianism. It's what you so wish, hope, and think might happen, but it's not the reality that's set before you. Right. And, and, and that, that's because, as we're saying on this podcast, you don't have the biblical foundation behind this to tell you why man is as he is today. What has he done uh, for him to be in his particular position? Right. All right. So moving on through here, it's a little bit longer than I thought it was, but uh, it says we are guided by the fact that all, that all black lives matter again. I have to stop because if they do, if all black lives matter, then why are you mad at me? Because I disagree with, with your movement. Right. If, if, if my, if my life truly mattered to you, you would welcome my disagreement and you would sit down with me and hash it out and we could work things out together. No, but instead those who, those of us 
who 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 disagree with you we get ostracized we get Absolutely. excommunicated we're, we're even told that we're not black we're uncle tom's again thank you for calling me an uncle tom i appreciate that because that makes me a hero i appreciate that um you know we call coon and, and slandered and called all manner of things just simply because we have a different perspective than you do yeah that goes back to the fact that even from their perspective, black is not an ethnicity; it's an ideology. Right. So if, if they were to that's call why they someone, can gather all these in together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they were to call someone who is has uh, African um, heritage and ethnicity, and say, "Hey, you're not black," it just shipped, uh, from their perspective too. They do not see that as an ethnicity. Right. It's uh, it's more of a state of being, um, an esoteric. Yeah, an ideology. Mm-hmm. So it says we are guided by the fact that all black lives matter, regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> so from our perspective, this is uh, of the world, mm-hmm. of the world system. This is, Absolutely. This, is, this is the movement of the world. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're, they're really the people that they're, they're fighting against are really on the same team because mm-hmm. you have um, – the sexual immorality and and all the rest that's tied in with the world system that's integrated in in our society whether you're you know black quote-unquote black or white you know it's the same thing right and that's what this list is it's uh sexual identity because you have Gen- homosexuals who are white and homosexuals are black right gender identity and you know there's like a whole bunch of genders out there now nowadays you know, some people you can't call them he or she, you have to call them they or Z or what all these other pronouns that are being made up. Gender expression, economic status. What is, what, what would you, how would you define what they're saying about gender expression? Uh, I, I Personally, I'm not really sure and I don't want to misrepresent them, uh, what, what they mean by that. I, but they are, they are pro, um, uh, homosexuality and they are pro and transgender uh, which is transgender right is oh, that yeah. right oh yeah, yeah that, okay. that's that's further down uh is it is that is that, down. is that what they're saying here with sexual identity or uh, ident- sexual identity i believe so gender identity because then they say because ge- then they say gender identity because yeah. then they say gender expression but this yeah, is because what- because you have you have the you have the subjective sense in which a person can be by function and by creation a male but express themselves as a female, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then, and then all the other range of uh, pronouns, you know, he, she, they, uh, Z, I think some other ones that you brought yeah, up. There's some, there's, um, some, you know, there's, there's, there's about no less than 30, if I'm not mistaken, I could be oh, yeah. wrong about the number. There's quite a few. There's quite a few. And, and it's not going to, it's not going to stop growing. They're going to keep adding because it, it, it gives people the ability to continue in their sin. So, mm-hmm. so, so the now, the, now their the, sin is justified. Yeah, the deception is the, one of the deceptions are that there's unity in something other than uh, the Word of God. That's the deception. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because here you see them bringing all these things together. You know, no matter what you believe from a religious perspective, they qualify them as oppressed. These uh, groups as oppressed. Absolutely. Like, right. Right. So that's the, the unifying saying. Hey, you transgender person, you are also oppressed by the whiteness of capitalistic America. So you join with us and we're unified because 
were also oppressed. But every, every Marxist movement like this one is, because the leaders would be unapologetically clear said it uh, themselves that they, are, that they are marxists so i'm not attributing something to them they haven't said about themselves sure but every marxist movement wants all the benefits of capitalism for themselves right. they just don't want you to enjoy the benefits of capitalism and so it's the very same when i look at something like economic status again they want to advocate for the poor while they themselves are rich hmm. so they don't mean that we want that we are expressively poor and thus want to improve our lot in both the standing of the nation and the global community, it's that they're a global leader financially and they need to advocate for those who aren't. So it's a case of there always will be the have and the have nots, but if you do not have, you're oppressed, just not by us. It's the other, it's the other people who uh, perhaps we're in bed with in different ways, but it's, it's them who are impressing you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if this movement was painstakingly black and unapologetically quote unquote black, it would have no involvement with the quote unquote white community at all whatsoever. Right. Because that would be, that would be the the height of black nationalism as they claim to ascribe to. Yeah. And they even go on. This is economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs. I would put in parentheses as long as you're not Christian. Right. As long as you're not a, as long as you're not a true Christian standing on the pure unadulterated word of God (laughs) or disbeliefs immigration status or location right right now this is what you were uh hinting at eric um oh yeah the next well, the, the, b- before that the the paragraph before you're about to read mm-hmm. the one we're just going over i mean this is like this is like the democratic party manifesto <laughs> it, it, it really i mean that's who their that's who their donor that's who their because <laughs> this is everything that they would say yeah all right sorry <laughs> but it goes on and says uh, we make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead yep but don't so. don't don't they already participate and lead in society in some ways so i'm i'm kind of confused about that statement but again it goes back to painting these um painting these groups as oppressed as you said eric yeah you have to paint them as oppressed so that way when you paint them as oppressed now the door is open to put them in places strategically where you want them Mm -hmm. right to 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 support your movement you know and we'll and we'll get to it because i see it further down we're going to get to it they they say it themselves they're really trying to um dismantle biblical masculinity and they're really trying to dismantle uh, the black man himself and disarm him and destroy him and overthrow him. Um, and he himself will find his chief identity if he is indeed born again by God's spirit. But they're really trying to overthrow him. And mm-hmm. so that's why they use the tactics of, uh, of, of, of the infeminate man in terms of slander and gossip. Um, you know, some of it we see even on the social media platforms and other arenas, but they use slander and gossip, all the infeminate things that make people celebrate, uh, celebrate uh, other men and grovel at their feet instead of holding things to scrutiny. So, that, so if you look at this statement, it is progressively building up to a crescendo where you strip man himself of every function that God has given him. And so in this case, I don't know where black men, quote unquote, black men stand today. 
But I would say 20, 30 years ago, the one, the ones I knew would not stand for this. Uh, I don't know what's happened since, I'm, you know, in terms of the cultural, the cultural um, shift itself. I mean, I kind of know what's downgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Downgrade postmodern postmodernism. I know what's happened, but even this, even a certain moralism that would stand up and say, no, you can't have my house. You can't have my children. You can't have my wife. You can't have where they, 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 they just, okay, we're just going to wear the t-shirts. We'll put the hashtags. It is. This is like, this, this reminds me, all this stuff reminds me, this is just like modern day hippies. Yep. Like the hippie movement. I mean, even like when I was in like punk rock, you know, coming from DC, like nation of Ulysses, some other bands like that, that were advocates of Marxism. And so you have a lot of young people. They just want to be part of, some kind of like uh, movement that, you know, they look cool doing. And so I think a lot of this is, this is just modern. <laughs> the, the, the younger people that are involved in this, they just want to um, be rebellious and, and they want to go to these marches and throw and smash things. But so, I, I remember the video I watched of, um, I remember the video I watched of these older black gentlemen who were guarding a statue and this young black lady, she had to be in like her twenties. And she was just yelling and screaming at these. Just all, all all emotionalism. So right. It was a all lot emotionalism. of factors. She, she a lot of factors. She she wanted them, men. Yeah, she wanted them to move out of the way so they could tear down the statue. I don't even remember what the statue was of. Um, but the first thing uh, the one of the older black gentlemen asked her was, well, "Do you understand the history of the statue?" She couldn't answer the question. So, like you said, a lot of these people who are jumping onto this movement have no idea of the history of black people. Mm. Just none. Not, historical not, not, historical and, revisionism. And, right. And even, or, 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 yeah, if they do, it's reduction, it's Reductionism. And re- yeah, re- yeah. But they don't have, like, like, for instance, with me, I tell my son, I tell my son about the accomplishments of, you know, I have him reading um, uh, Carter G. Woodson miseducation of the negro Mm. um you know i have him reading i want him to read booker t washington's my larger education to to see successful black men and women who were successful during a time where they were hated and they were still able to find a way to be successful to achieve greatness that's well, I'm trying to teach my son, which is actual history. You know, mm-hmm. you, 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 you go to some of these young people, even some of these older people, and you ask them about the history of black people. They couldn't tell you well, anything well, about it. Well, and, here, and here, here's, here's the myth, the issue. The issue, Chris and Brother Eric, the issue is for a person to advocate against actual injustices, you don't have to be unapologetically black. That wasn't true in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. You had... You had the men in Mississippi who were murdered. Um, I believe it was around the time Megger Evers uh, was uh, was was murdered. Um, you know, you have you have individuals who stood up against societal Jim Crow, real oppression, who were quote unquote white or Caucasian, who stood up against these very oppressions, and they were not unapologetically black in their position. Yeah, they were unapologetically free, and they were unapologetically courageous, mm-hmm. and so, but to to that that's the one issue. The second issue is that, again, it's this air of condescension and almost dismissiveness 
that the quote unquote black man in America today ought to take very personally about himself. And I'm saying this to win you to biblical Christianity, but you ought to take this very personal because they're looking at you and saying you're worthless. So now we are going to advocate for black males who are saying they're women and black women who are saying they're males. They have our support. We uplift them. We place them in your seat of leadership because you are incapable. And so uh, they uplift those particular individuals and, and use them in order to advance their cause. You have to say very plainly about your own home that they don't respect you and they don't respect your home as they're saying they do. And though you, you're allowed to wear their T-shirt. Uh, you're allowed to do their hashtags and their social media campaign. But when it comes down to functionally leading your family, you are not allowed to do that because they don't think you're capable. Right. And that, and that actually goes to the next paragraph. It says, we are self-reflexive <laughs> and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift Black trans folk, especially Black trans women, who continue to be disproportionately impacted by trans antagonistic violence. I dare anyone who's listening to this podcast to walk away from this podcast and say, it's only a slogan. I mm. dare you to say that from henceforth. It's only a slogan. What does it matter? It's only a slogan. You're seeing for yourself that they're telling you, no, this slogan embodies all of these tenants together and they all must work together in order for the slogan to have the meaning in the global conversation. But, uh, but it's, as you said, if their goal is this self-reflexive uh, work of, of, of dismantling cisgender privilege, if, they, if that's what they're doing again, it's, is it really a progressive movement to deal with uh, the quote unquote black community? Because one of the plagues of the black community the quote unquote black community, even if they're willing to admit it or not, is that there's an absence of male figures. Mm -hmm. So you resolve that by uplifting and exalting transgenderism. Right. <laughs> that's, that's how you solve that issue. Like my beautiful, <laughs> precious African-American people, you have to look at this for what it is. My, my appeal is to you directly as it always is. You have to look at this. Take away the emotion. Take away the news flashes and all the visual stimulating political images that only happen every four years. And look at this movement for what it is. It's not for you. It's not for your family. It's not for the economics of your community. There is no way whatsoever because it's telling you that the men themselves are incapable. I mean... <laughs> Let's just move on to the next one. Uh, just, I'm growing increasingly more <laughs> bothered and upset by reading through this, but it has to be done uh, almost to the point of weeping because this is just sad. Um, it says, we build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. So when are you going to stop making these hip hop videos? Yeah. <laughs> with with the scantily clad women mm. <laughs> and you're throwing dollars on them and, do, well, and I'll tell you. all that you know because i i grew up with that stuff too mm -hmm. you know, it's, it, it's not something that just started you know this has been going on for 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 a long time when are you gonna when are you gonna stop these hip-hop artists from being misogynistic i'll, 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 I'll sir, sir sir mix a lot 
<laughs> uh, you went back on that one. <laughs> but I'm you know, saying, I'll tell, they, you, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, you're right. You're right, brother. No, go ahead. Go ahead. They're, 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 it's like you said earlier, they're turning their eyes away from the issues in the black community itself. Mm-hmm. Right. And looking at every other community. Not just white, but anybody else that opposes their movement. It's just primarily white people, but anybody that opposes their movement, they'd rather police that than actually police their own communities. And here's the thing. Every false movement does one of two things to women. It either subjugates them or it exalts them beyond measure. And I'm talking about the doctrine of the fall. I'm talking about what happened in the garden. You know, every and because that's that's where it starts. But every single false movement, you could think of Islam, you could think of uh, the, 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 the personality cultism and uh, uh-huh. modern evangelicalism, charismaticism, Roman uh-huh. Catholic. You could think of all those things. They either you could think of the quote unquote American dream. They either unduly exalt women, the feministic movement, deify or they, them or deify them or they or they subjugate them. Only uh-huh. biblical Christianity protects them. Biblical Christianity is the only thing in this world because it's from God himself that looks upon the woman and puts her as a help to the man and also preserves and protects her. Complementarianism, uh, sure. Absolutely. And so, so even when you look at this statement, this is putting a woman in a very dangerous position as it relates to the doctrine of the fall. Hmm. And so, um, you know, but, but, you know, they use terms like affirming black women which, you know, the listening ear would go, oh, so you guys have a problem with affirming black women? No, but again, we have to recapture our terms. Um, And also, what does that mean? And also, what does that affirmation look like? And so when you're affirming someone, that doesn't necessarily mean you could do more damage if by affirming someone, you put them in areas that doesn't uh, that doesn't uh, bring forth their strengths and talents and abilities. You can do that a man to a man. You know, we see it all the time in the annals of what's known as the church today, where you have a bunch of men who are quote unquote leading and teaching and they're not able to do so. They're not qualified to do so, you mm-hmm. know, but yet someone has placed their affirming hand on them and put mm-hmm. them forward to do that. Uh, you're setting people up for failure. Mm-hmm. So my point is when you look at this statement, what it means to affirm black women, that has to be explained. Right. So the next one, it says we practice empathy. Hold on, hold on one second. <laughs> What about what about for the uh, what about someone like me the the white man and you're empathetic towards mm. me? <laughs> nah, you're you're exempt from that, brother. Sorry. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. That, that's what it's supposed to be. But their definition, we practice empathy with those who agree with us. Well, the word that follows is comrades. Exactly, we engage Mark- comrades. Wow. <laughs> with the intent to learn about and connect with their context. Let me context. tell you, Marxist empathy is different from actual empathy. Marxist empathy and communistic empathy and fascist empathy make sure first you agree and then we'll be willing to empathize and have a discussion. Right. Um, so that that's what I see here. It's not, you know, again, these are very general and generic terms to disarm people from having the ability to argue against what's being said. Yeah, it looks uh, good on paper. It does. Uh, uh, 
Um, one, uh, one comment we got from someone listening in said, empathy is not exper- experientialism or existentialism. And that's where you're getting that. Well, well said. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I agree. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But li- like you said, um, you actually, well, you talked about the comrades where you said you agree with us and then we will empathize with you. That goes back up to an earlier paragraph where it says to love and desire freedom and justice for ourselves is a prerequisite for wanting the same for others. So that's their definition of empathy. Yeah, you you know, you see, you see, I believe that they have borrowed from the infeminate structure of much of what's taken place in religiosity, because, you know, when you talk about things like empathy and engaging only people who agree with you, uh, and some people do that on social media too, where I'm about to block everybody who disagrees with me and I'm just <laughs> going to rally around everyone who says what I'm saying and quotes all the guys I'm quoting. And then somehow they make a caricature of those who would respectfully disagree. Um, You see that kind of mindset here, that they're only willing to engage those whom they determined are comrades. Mm -hmm. And, And so the strength of any conviction, worldview, or belief system is how it does in the face of its disagreements, in the face of those who attack it, in the face of those who assail it. And, and that also goes toward its transparency and its real agenda. Biblical Christianity does not apologize nor say that people won't uh, disagree with it, but it also puts itself forward as we're here to smash every argument and every high thing that exalts, exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Right. And so to me, when you have a movement that is on one hand saying, we're just going to take for granted that everybody has to agree and we're going to be unapologetic about that. And there's no room for critical thinking. Um, that's called a cult. And it really is called a cult. It's, it's yeah. not, you know, whether that cult is a societal global movement, um, it is a cult and people want to make all kinds of things about what cults are. Some people think that cults are places where you don't go because they're there on Sundays. That's not a cult. A cult is outside of the very orthodoxy and subsets both by proclamation and practice of the Christian faith. That's a cult. And what we're looking at here is a cult. Right. And so they mm-hmm. just, all the merchandise and everything else just makes you identify with it all the more. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where you were looking to get to, uh, Duran. Now, now we're talking about the family. These next two paragraphs have to do with the family. We make our spaces family-friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so that they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice work. Now, hold on. I thought there was no regard for economic status. (laughs) I thought economic status was something that we were all safe here Mm. because if my economic status requires me and my wife to pull double shifts, why would you see that as a patriarchal oppression? Hmm. So you see how this movement puts you on a, on a hamster wheel. Right. That, that you are now deemed to be a part of the problem if you have to be a part of a two-parent household. And what if being part of a two-income, two-parent household is as such that we have to survive as a family given our economic standing? Right. But you notice it only talks about the mothers. 
working double sis. It doesn't mention anything about the man. Well, no, because he's useless. According to the statement, we've already done away with him. But that's what, you, that's what you said earlier. The, exactly. the, the whole, one of the points of the, the BLM movement is to dismantle the strong black man. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. And that's, that's what this is saying, because it totally excluded the father. So let me put this another way. I'm going to put it in a conditional statement. If there are black men out there who want to continue to identify with this, you are giving away all of your strength and vitality. To the, the deeper you go in this movement, the more you are giving away every single responsibility you think you have. And some might be okay with that because some don't want to have those responsibilities anyway. But for those of you who are actually dying a wool, pounding your fists, I'm a black man, and you want to identify with this, you are giving away every ounce of what it means to be a man mm. by identifying with what's written here because of the tenets that they stand on. I mean, those are just... Uh, things that you're giving away. And I mean, if you're going to be upset with the fact that mothers have to work double shifts so they can mother in private as they participate in public justice work, be upset with the black man that's shirking his responsibilities. Absolutely. The one, the one that just wants to sleep with the black woman and donate his sperm to her and then have, and then impregnate her. And then she has a kid and now he walks away from his responsibilities. But you can't do that when you identify with the sexual immorality and try to put them up as virtues. You can't, you can't deal with those issues. You can't educate people along those lines when a part of your constituency is gender fluidness, gender expression, and all those other things. When you, when you walk away from God made them male and female, you can't deal with any sexual immorality, whether it be societally or within a certain community. You can't do it. And you, right. you certainly can't do it effectively. And I would say, what if, there are, uh, what if there are individuals who are working in the home to provide one another in agreement and they see their husband as the head of the home, but they also don't want to be involved in the public justice work, quote unquote, public justice work. Right. I mean, what? And they're black. So, so, so you, the hopscotch of this movement is what identity do I have that makes me acceptable to this movement? Because now it's kind of just laden with guilt. The only thing we can be sure of, though, is that we're going to keep your sufferings before you. Right, and uh, there, there, there's no cohesion to these paragraphs. They're, they're just all over the place. They just jump, they jump around from, it's just like, oh, here's a good one. Let's write this. And then, oh, here's another good one. And let's write, there's no, there's no form or logic to this manifesto. It's just a bunch of stuff that they threw together. And then they just put it on a page and said, this is what we... This is what we believe. I don't know how much it costs to partner with professional sports leagues. I don't know how much it costs to get your name on the street in Washington, D.C. I know it costs some money. I wonder how much it costs to take care of those double shift working mothers mm. and to put money in their pockets because the NBA just gave them $300 million over the next 10 years. I wonder just maybe a little bit of that might go a long way since you're so narrow and focused toward a certain segment of society, how much of that money is going to them to provide for them so that they don't have to work double shifts? Even, even more so if they're in a situation where their economic status isn't improving the conditions around them, how much money is being geared toward that? So, yeah. so yeah. They, they failed the simple test of uh, philanthropic work. 
terms of being a movement that is actually for the upward mobility of those who are involved in the movement. Mm -hmm. There's a a comment in the comment section is say as it's as if the father doesn't count. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly the (laughs) case. Another valid point. That's mm-hmm. exactly the case. The father, the father doesn't exist here, except in the in that word patriarchal. Absolutely, it's it's an attack against the father. Right, it's it's an attack against the father, which in turn is an attack against men. Yeah, if you if you right. can if if you can if you can eliminate men, you eliminate literally the woman's protection. Exactly, and I'm talking about ideologically. I'm talking about in biblically speaking, the spiritual sense. I'm talking about a provision, uh, the aspect of that. If you can, if you can turn her men away from her, you can certainly uh, grab a hold of her and set yourself up as the solution. But I believe that the so-called black man in America today had better look at this movement and say to himself, is this movement really for me? Because, right. because it's claiming to be for you, but is it really for you? Cause, or is it, it or, or is it attacking you? Because I haven't seen anything yet in reference to males. Have you? Not at all, unless it's destroying. Uh, unless unless yeah, I'm missing. Yeah, unless unless you're attacking the male. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anything here, because I haven't heard anything about the black man. Nope. Hmm. So, I'm I'm just. Hmm. Now, if 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 if, the, and I don't know where things have gone, because I do see a lot of black quote unquote, black women whose emotions are at an all time high about this movement. Mm -hmm. If the goal is to eliminate black males from their community, then this is your movement. So maybe I missed something where that's what they want. But, but to me, you know, for a black, a, a quote unquote, black male who would say what movement, and I don't, I don't care one way or the other, because my position is in Christ and my identity is in Christ, but just looking at it from their perspective, if I want a movement to speak to my ethnicity and, and to me as a male, uh, I would be looking for the one that uplifts me in those areas, not one that uh, deals with every facet of society around me and then outward aggressively uh, explicitly attacks me for being a black male. Uh, and the only, the only image the black male is good for when the, is when the policeman is attacking him. The only image the black man is good for to this movement is if he's being embarrassed, humiliated, and abused, and if his cause can create donorship for this platform. Right. That's the, on- that's the only use he has. He has no other use, or if he's an entertainer, if he's a professional athlete, he has use. But the black man who's going to work every single day, he's of no use to this movement. The black man who's raising his kids and raising his family and putting food on his table, he's of no use to this movement. And Eric said, what about the white man? Well, the black man in this, according to what we're reading, is about as worthless to them as the, as the white man is. Exactly. So there's that same. Uh, yeah, that's that's mentality. a good point. There, there's no room for Warwick Dunn. I posted about Warwick Dunn earlier today. There's no room for Warwick Dunn who has, uh, according, uh, as of October 17th of 2019, has donated his 173rd home to, to a single mom, and that home is fully furnished. There's no room yeah. for him here. Mm-hmm. But, th- but that's what we need. Well, no, because he's, he's, he's about solutions, not simply raising awareness. Right. He's, he's, he's about, he's, because all, all this Black Lives Matter movement wants to do is just shake their fist at everything. Shake their fists, 
write the name on sneakers, you know, talking points. It, it really is regressive to the way in which men ought to think. I don't care what your ethnicity is. It's regressive toward men. It's wow. regressive. To, so yes. I believe that men have to step back and look at where do I stand in relation to this movement? And biblically speaking, it should be the men who respond with the most uh, ferocious um, rebukes toward this movement from the standpoint of God's word, because that's who's under attack. It goes back I mean, to Genesis 3. I mean, the spiritual serpent used the physical serpent to tempt the woman. He, wanted to go, he went through the woman absolutely. first to get to the man, to get to God, absolutely. to attack so, God. So you see that theme showing up here again with this, this movement is very, is uh, heavily driven by feminism. Heavily driven. Mm-hmm. Well, two, two of the, two of the founders are, are, are female anyway. So right. mm-hmm. two of the founders of the movement are female. So, so uh, next paragraph, we disrupt. There it is again. We disrupt. They, they just want to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. We disrupt earlier. They said they dismantle. <laughs> We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement <laughs> requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. What about fathers? Well, I guess that's why they say parents. Well, 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 here's a question I have. Here's a question I have, too, and that's a great question. Well, then the parents could be mothers and mothers because a lot of them this are... Is, this is true. Well, well, here's the thing. Homosexual and transgender. Unless I missed something, was Karl Marx, quote-unquote, black? Because if you're unapologetically black and you're using Marxist language, such as villages, uh, to raise a family and all this other stuff, why would you think that that's useful to aid a community who's oppressed by 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 taking for yourself Eastern European philosophy to replace <laughs> Western prescribed philosophy, why would you think that that's progressive? Yeah. And, and and if you're if you're if you're saying if you're saying that you're trying to enlist a certain tribalism from the from uh, the the uh, the continent of Africa and the countries represented in Africa, mm-hmm. well then those tribes were led largely by men. Oh yeah. So, so, so you're literally dismantling society itself to prove that people can thrive with you as the solution. To me, you're on your way to fascism. I say it all the time. That's what you're on your way to. Right. Um, I mean, all this is is tribalism. I mean, like they said, supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another. Right. I mean, all, all that is, is, is tribalism. That's, that's all it is. It's like, I, I, I can't stop thinking, though, you know, like Eric said, what about fathers? And what about, you know, many of the black males who are eating this up? You know, what about what about you? Because they really uh, your eyes should be open with shock toward this. If anything shocks you, it should be this. Right. And, and we're reading it directly from their page. We're not making this stuff up. This is actually what they believe. To push you aside and say you can't care for your family, so we have to care. They're claiming it, your children. They're yeah. saying we can't care for them. And, and, it, saying, and it, go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead. Go and then speaking brother. speaking of uh, collectively caring for one another, especially our children. And then I'm looking on my timeline on Facebook, and you got 
black women, mothers standing outside with their little kids and their little kids are holding signs to say F the police. Mm-hmm. That's how you collectively care for our children. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Well, be- it's not because that hostility is real. It's because that hostility sells. So if you can get the children to fight against uh, authorities in society, this movement is right there for you to raise awareness when your children are gunned down. Right. And so they're not going to prevent your children from being gunned down because none of this helps with that. You actually need fathers in the home. I would say Christian fathers, but you definitely need men in the home to deal with their sons. If you take men out of the picture, then all you have is a society that's not only running rampant, but you have people responding by the seat of their feelings and emotions. And if that's the case, when that's the case, then you can expect that this movement will not prevent that from happening, but they'll make sure that they raise some money and that everybody knows about it. Uh, Mm -hmm. To me, that is exploitation 101. And And that's all this is. is this This movement is more dangerous to, to blacks than any of the movements I think I've ever seen. Right. And a lot of them, a lot of them are dangerous, but this one is probably. Yeah, Cause you, dangerous. yeah. Cause you had a male, even male presence in you know, the black Panther movement. Absolutely. Men. And it had a masculine appeal. Yeah, I mean, masculine. I'm not, I'm not justified. I'm just saying. No, like, not it, at all. Not at all. This, this, this movement today is going the way the world system, which is uh, over emphasis on, uh, on uh, feminism and postmodernism and even civil rights you had you had people who you know we can argue definitely effectively against their orthodoxy Mm -hmm. but you even had males you had religious leaders so to speak you had men who were arguing for better wages in their jobs they didn't quit their jobs but they had better way they were arguing for better wages they were arguing you know for the means to care and take for the and take care of their families here, you're seeing an argument that, well, you all are useless in doing that, and so we're going to assume the task for you, but from this very feminine and, uh, and, and, and uh, sexual, uh, sexually immoral paradigm. And so uh, it, it, it should be assault an assault toward males in general. Right. Um, and if it's an assault to them, I sure hope it will be an assault to black males. And I'm not misreading this. If you want to be upset about injustices, Brother, you asked earlier, Chris, about reforms. I, again, I think it starts with the individual. Mm-hmm. You don't have to align yourself with this movement to be effective and to use your voice to speak against error and ungodliness yeah. and injustices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you certainly don't need a movement that undermines your place in your home. I, I, don't, I don't know anybody who would allow me to walk into their home, a black family, who's a nuclear strong black family, and tell the dad, get out of here. Get out. I want your paycheck give me your car keys and your children belong to me. I don't know any black male who would look at me today who's active in their home and say, I'm fine with that. But that's what this movement's doing and you're fine with it. Yeah, because that's what the paragraph is saying. All the paragraph is saying is we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure so we can brainwash your children. And, and, and they're not taking a shot at the quote unquote Western prescribed nuclear family. This is the, you know, this is the biblical family. Absolutely. I don't Absolutely. like the, the whole, whole Western thing. Yeah, it's even not in Western my, values. Yeah. yeah. Um, even when they speak about uh, tenets of the faith, you know, like justification and um, penal substitution, those terms that we get from Pauline literary corpus from the apostle Paul and his epistles, they, they try to like say that 
that's a Western interpretation of what Paul's actually saying. No, that's the theology that Paul's communicating there. Right, right, right. So it's not misinterpretation, but they, they like to use this term Western. Right. And they're, they're really referring to, you know, the, the, the white man from I mean, Europe. And ultimately, 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 if you want to biblically define, define family, if you want to biblically define the household, so I was just teaching on this uh, Friday, if you want to biblically define household, the household was whoever was under the roof. Yeah. Okay. The household wasn't just the husband, the wife and the kids. It was the, the servants. It was the slaves. Yeah, sure. If, if a priest, if an itinerant priest was passing down the, the road and needed a place to say he was yeah. part of your household. Mm-hmm. And and the assumption of Paul the Apostle was that the household was primarily comprised of those two mm-hmm. mother mothers and fathers as he gives commandments to the children to uh to obey them and then deals with how the father and this is in Ephesians, how the father ought to relate to the, the wife and how the wife ought to relate to her husband. Right. Um, you know, it's assumed and that's what I agree with Eric, it's it's an attack against the biblical model uh of the family. And just like every every false movement is going to attack that that you know that from the uh, from the from from the standpoint of where it's coming from, I think here it's just it's telling that it deals with it's kind of like cursory at the end of it to the degree that mothers oh and parents and children are comfortable. It's kind of like there's there's no mention there's no room for fatherhood. Right. Um, you want to know why and the reason is and I'll say this again and again is that godly fathers dismantles this ideology fathers themselves a moral father can prove effective against some of this stuff but a godly father dismantles it altogether yeah because he's leading you in the truth he's leading Mm -hmm. his children according to the word of god he's Mm -hmm. sanctifying um he's being sanctified by the word of god and so you know there's a sense in which that those things uh, you know it should it should be a you know i I would i would tell people this hour beware of the trade-off you know, beware of what these movements are asking you to trade off. For example, this movement wants you to identify with quote unquote injustices, but this is all the trade off. So I can be angry about certain things that are happening uh, with relation to uh, law enforcement and the so-called black community. And I can identify with the phrase, but if I identify with the phrase, the trade off is all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I abandon my role in my position. And if you're a Christian, you, ab- you abandon your your power, you abandon your position. It's called apostasy. Right. And, and so, uh, but in terms of the, the male himself, uh, the, the black man, he abandons his own thoughts of having a solution for his home and his community. If he surrenders it to this ideology. Right. All right. We've got three more lines to go Two well, two paragraphs in a sentence. <laughs> we foster a queer affirming network. Well, there you have it. Uh, yeah, this is uh, that's, liberal, that's what we were getting to. It's a politically liberal movement, All right? Backed by the Democrat Party. It says when we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative or biblical, if you want to really get to the root of it, exactly. think, thinking. Or rather, the belief that all in the world are heterosexual, which they are biblically and mm-hmm. and 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 well the lie is too that not everyone is any longer and not and that's not welcome to even think that way any longer 
Right. So they're so what are they really fighting against? That that's not you know that's not that's not taken for granted any longer, and it hasn't been for the last ten years or so. I mean, in, in essence, what they're fighting against is God's standard. Absolutely. I mean, when you want to get down to the brass tacks about it, that's they're fighting against God's standard, what God Himself has established. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Genesis, what is Genesis two? Uh, where is it at? Hey, uh, what am I looking for here? Oh, no, not Genesis 2, Genesis 1. I'm sorry. Give me one second. It says, uh, Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right. So ultimately, as I said, what they're fighting against is what God has established from the beginning. Right. That there's a male and there's female. And that's it. Absolutely. And they're also holding up the lie that if, if you disagree with someone's homosexuality, then you're out to oppress them and you despise them. Um, right. From the biblical Christianity standpoint, from the position in, in Christ, that's not true. Mm-hmm. It is true that we rebuke it. It is true that it is a gross and heinous sin against God. All those things are true, but that doesn't necessarily translate to, I hate you. Right. It doesn't translate to, I want you to suffer eternal hell. If I wanted you to suffer eternal hell, I wouldn't mention anything about it. Um, you know, it, it, it removes itself from accountability even on that front. But again, the devastation part of a, a quote-unquote queer affirming network is to not only normalize it, but to attack the very nature of what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I, I, you know, I, I don't know where, I don't know where the, the, uh, the so-called black community stands with reference unanimously to this. Um, but I do know that I see many affirming this and saying it's only a slogan when I'm saying that slogan then is very effective to get you to act in the way that is in agreement with the manifesto. That's the power of this manifesto. Right, I'm s- um, seriously, after, after hearing us read their manifesto, do you think it's just a slogan now? Right. <laughs> you know, and then there's issues with the doctrine of salvation, as you see here. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves. Well, for one, it's not liberation when you free yourselves from God's standard. That's called slavery. Right. Um, that's bondage. called judgment, bondage. Yeah, all those words. Um, so you're, you're, not, you're not free when you begin to think against what God has decreed. You're certainly not free when you begin to think in a novel way about who you are and you can't identify who you are. You're not free. How can you have solutions when you don't know, when you can't look in the mirror and see your functions and your body and, and understand that God has made you what you are 
If you can't start there, how in the world do you go out in larger society and offer them solutions? If you can't understand the foundational point that I'm a man or a woman can't stand in the mirror and look at herself and go, I'm a woman. If you can't do that from the outset, how in the world can you go about changing society? How in the world can you offer people any real hope of making a lasting difference in the world around them? And I'm talking from their secular humanist paradigm. Well, mm-hmm. you, you do that by uh, creating 28, 30, 36 other pronouns to accommodate Absolutely. people instead of simply explaining to people what they, what they are. Absolutely. That's how you do that. Right. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know anyone for the last 30, 20 years who have thought that the whole world were heterosexual. And I know that that has never been the case because we read about Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read about, you know, the Roman empire and all the things that were done uh, throughout the Roman empire. Um, you know, just throughout the history of the world itself, even what took place in the very beginning of Daniel, where the king is choosing men according to their handsomeness and beauty in a very perverse way. Uh, I would say some of that is how the modern seminary also chooses their men, but that's for another show. Uh, but and, and, I, and that's that's coming. That is coming. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> we're br- we're bringing it. That show a lot coming. coming. But we got a lot. We got a lot coming. When you when you have when you have this this uh, they make caricatures of the people they're attacking, um, even from the BLM standpoint, where they're saying that you know that there's this mindset, this mindset doesn't exist. You know, no one, no one who's sober looks at the world and says everybody's heterosexual or is uh, heteronormative in their thinking. We know that that's not the world we, we exist in and we haven't existed in that world for some time. Um, so yeah, if they want to free themselves from that, uh, you should go out of existence as a movement because you're already liberated from that task. That's already been in play for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, a couple more. Uh, so, so freedom is being released from the heteronormative thinking. So that's how they define freedom. That would be freedom. Basically, freedom is being able to do whatever you want to without question. Uh-huh. I mean, if you if you really want to get down to the root of it, it's you you cast off all restraint, as Romans one says. You cast off all restraint, and you just do whatever you want. The, pre- and the then, prerequisite, and then, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And, and then you celebrate those who do whatever they want. The prerequisite is blackness, though. That's the prerequisite. Yeah. In this case, yeah. blackness. <laughs> Unapologetically black. Mm-hmm. All right. Next paragraph says we cultivate an intergenerational and communal network free from ageism. <sighs> we believe that all people, regardless of age, show up with the capacity to lead and learn. This is where you get the statues being torn down from. And maybe they're not, you know, they would say that they're not directly involved in that, but this is where you get revisionist history. Mm-hmm. When, when your communal eliminates people who have lived before you have, and I'm not talking about life experience as some barometer of truth. I'm talking about people who can look you in your face and go, I've lived during Jim Crow. I've lived during XYZ. This isn't that bad. I was alive during that time. When you eliminate the ability to do that, and they're saying that, okay, we're not discriminating based on age, because, but they're saying, you're welcome, you just have to lead our way. And you have to lead according to our tenets, no matter what your age is. That's what this is saying. That's, that's where the, the, the paragraph before that about the extended families and villages. 
Right. That's why that's necessary. So they can brainwash these young people into agreeing with their tenants at a young age. So then like the, like the young lady that was yelling at the two older black men about the statue that, so that, that type of thing can happen. She, she had no idea why the statue was there. No, no idea. She just knows that it needed to be torn down. And she sided with the people who agreed with getting the statue torn down. But when the, the older gentleman questioned her, she didn't have an answer except for more yelling and screaming. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to wage a propaganda war if you let people remain in their homes with their families. Hmm. And, I, and I'm speaking even ideologically, you know, people can live in two parent households and, and yet ideologically you, you, you wear down and bear down on them to make them think that that's not normative. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you begin to attack that in all kinds of ways, such as this statement. But, you know, you get there, you, you, you begin to oppress uh, people and begin to take them away from uh, the solutions, even the younger people and the younger children, uh, when you create this kind of unst- uh, instability in their homes mm-hmm. and you create this kind of instability with reference to their actual families, um, you know, if their family has something of truth to offer. And I'll tell you even more so, this deals with the doctrine of the church. Because if you do all that's said here, you don't have the church. Mm. None of this describes the inception or the function of the Lord's church. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a, a direct departure away from the church itself. And, and setting up their own church. Exactly. The cult as, fellowship. As, as their own their own community, village, fellowship, whatever you want. Yeah, but the, as, as Deron had defined it earlier, uh, the, the definition of a cult. Yes. My, mind, mind control is one of the tenets of having a cult. You have to yeah. control the minds of the people who are under you right. to, to manipulate them into doing what you want them to do. And that's, that's all that's happening here. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and I've seen people write stuff on cults, man. I, you know, I think the issue with the definitions I've seen is that, you know, people do it against the backdrop of the crowd mentality. So, like, if you see 10 people, in a corner, you automatically say that that's a cult. <laughs> you know, if, if we're yeah. not a mega, if we're not a mega group or a mega church group, or if we're not a large group of individuals who have uh, quote unquote done life together, quote unquote, <laughs> if we're not that group, then we're somehow a cult. I just, mm. to me, that's not an adequate definition as well. Cult are those who depart in both teaching and function away from biblical orthodoxy. That's yeah, a exactly. cult. Yeah, exactly. That's a cult. I don't care if 300 of them have done it or five have done it mm-hmm. or, or 4 million of them have done it. Um, so what you have here are the makings of a cult. This is a cult. This isn't just a movement. This is a cult. It's something to draw you away from uh, biblical truth and the function of biblical truth and the implications and the actions right. uh, that you're supposed to do in the face of what is written in the word of God. That's what a cult does. All right. All right. Finally, We embody and practice justice, liberation, and peace (laughs) in our engagements with one another. (laughs) That's a flat-out lie. I mean... Depends who one another is, though. Yeah, but in the case of those who disagree... Yeah, there's no room for that. That's a flat-out lie. There's no... no You don't practice justice. No, there's no peace for us. Justice is not practiced... Liberation, as far as freedom is concerned, is not um, accomplished, and there's and there's no peace. 
because peace is peace with God. And peace is embodied in Christ, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. The true and living Christ. Oh, yeah. In rec reconciliation with him. Yeah, peace with God and then and then peace with men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, brothers, any final words? None. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we thank you for tuning in to this live. We're, we're going to continue to do the lives because um, a lot of people asked us to do the lives. And uh, it's we we discovered that it's a good way to get the word out even even more. Um, you know, we thank you for those of you who have shared the the lives that well the one live that we did before this. We thank those of you who shared it, those of you who watched it. Thank you for your comments. You know, whether you agree or disagree, we thank you for your interaction with our podcast. Um, but as you can see here today, just from us coming straight from the horse's mouth that black lives matter is a dangerous dangerous movement and it basically wants to tear apart the fabric of established society to paint as Duran said a marxist utopia here in america um not only does it want to dismantle uh gender it wants to dismantle um the black man or men in general it wants to destroy the family. This is nothing but a destructive movement. And not only is it just a destructive movement, but it's also a cash cow. Okay. While, while they're trying to claim that they're fighting against injustice and oppression, they're milking you of your money at the same time. Just go to their website. You see that they have merchandise that you can buy. And it's not cheap either. So we hope uh, today that from you listening to this podcast that your eyes have been open to what this movement is all about coming straight from them. We pray that you would stand with us against this movement and that you would uh, join us in our fight for the truth, which is only proclaimed through the true and pure unadulterated word of God and his gospel. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, we'll uh, have the, the audio of this podcast up uh, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. So if you missed it, you can either watch it again on Facebook on the page Biblical Christ Research Institute, or you can listen to it on SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. So you guys have a great week. Pray that you will be blessed. Pray that uh, you will continue to walk with God in His truth. Thank you. has been Train of Thought, a podcast of the Biblical Christ Research Institute. For our written articles, go to bcri.wordpress.com 
And for sermons, go to SoundCloud and search Biblical Christ Church. For comments and questions, email us at bcritrainofthought at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.